Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HOA, It's a True Story. I'm Bill Mann, president of the GB Group, and I'll be hosting today's show. We're sitting down to speak with Morgan Futsell, founder and CEO of Broadband Agreements. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to HOA, It's a True Story. Thank you, Bill. Good to be here. Appreciate it. So, Morgan, can you tell us a little bit about your company services, your background, and how you got in the HOA industry? Absolutely. Well, I studied telecom law at Michigan State University, worked with a couple guys there that were the professors, Tom Youth and Tom Baldwin. They wrote the book on cable television, and it was in its infancy there. I graduated in uh, 1983 with a telecom degree and jumped in the industry right away, the cable television industry in its infancy in Michigan, and worked for a couple providers an opportunity came up in Sacramento. The last big franchise was being built by the company I was working for there in, in the Detroit area, Tribune United, and they were in partnership with Comcast out here. And sure enough, that's what I did. I moved out here in 1986 and went to work for Comcast. I spent 22 years with them. And as my career grew, we were sold once to AT&T. So I worked with AT&T for a while, then back to Comcast and Get to know that the Comcast hierarchy was very good. They moved me up the ladder. I was a senior level director for about five years uh, of those last uh, 20, of the last five of the 22. A unique thing happened in 2007. The federal government ended exclusive access provisions, no longer allowed, no more exclusivity. So it really opened up competition. And so in early 08, I made the professional decision to go to work and represent HOAs and help them navigate through all the minutiae of these cable contracts. I did that for Comcast, right? I had, I had 30 employees that worked for me, and we shored up all those agreements, make sure that you know, we were legal. Because keep in mind, HOAs are private property, and uh, cable companies and phone companies offering fiber or video service are not utilities, so they don't have automatic access. So agreements must be in place. Interesting. I didn't realize they didn't fall under the utilities. So that's, that's, that's a new one on me. So. Yeah, you know, Bill, the 1996 Communications Act allowed telephone companies to get into PUC for telephone service, but it's still cloudy. It's telephone service only. So the, the, the local phone companies do not have, once they launch fiber and start streaming video, they're now what they call, the acronym is MVP, it's called multi-video provider. So they, they no longer fall under the PUC, only for telephone do they fall under the PUC. So oh, we can't- the bundled service, the phone part's protected under the PUC, but the rest of it's not? Exactly right. Well, that's very interesting. And I, you know, you got into the HOA industry, not as interesting as most people fall into it. So. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, you know, all those years at Comcast, we joined CAI as, as Comcast, as me as the director, we joined and participated. You got you to go where your customers are. And, and then when I left Comcast to create my own company, ironically, Comcast stopped renewing their HOA, stopped renewing CA, CA, uh, CAI and CACM. So I, of course, you know, joined CAI, and that was a good move. Well, why would a board want you to review their broadband and cable agreement and not just sign whatever the service provider provides them? The boards and the managers, they're, they're reactive. You know, here, sign this. I've often told the cable companies are like, use car salesmen. Uh, a lot of these, sign this, sign this. And the, the key thing about us is we do not charge at all to review or audit any of the agreements. 
there's zero downside to have us involved. The Davis-Sterling Act allows HOAs to do five-year agreements, and that's either for a bulk agreement or a retail agreement, two different types of agreements out there. So what's the difference between a bulk agreement and a retail agreement? So a bulk agreement is where the HOA, through their attorney or through an expert like myself, we negotiate deep discounted pricing for every resident. This day and age, it's all about internet. Every household, it's safe to say, virtually every household uses some form of internet. So under the 2007 Cable Act, it allows HOAs, formed corporations, to negotiate deep discounted internet bulk pricing and video pricing if you want to. But everybody's cutting the cord. Everyone, Most everyone's streaming video these days. So all bulk these days is internet bulk Or a retail agreement is where people just order on their own. If you're lucky enough, if your HOA is lucky enough that you have both, so let's say AT&T and Comcast, both upgraded, or any cable provider, any phone provider that's upgraded with fiber, well, you have a choice. You can order on your own, negotiate your best pricing. But still, the cable, it's very expensive. You know, it's, you're you're paying $100 a month for, for a gig of internet service through most of these providers. And you can go and it's oftentimes you can negotiate a bulk pricing for much, much less. Which mine was that cheap. Yeah. So on the bulk purchasing, is that a bill that goes directly to the association for everybody or do people get individually invoiced? It does. The bill goes to the HOA every single month. And so the HOA is billed regardless of use and occupancy. Now, what some HOAs will do is let's face it, most people only need 100 mega service, maybe 300 mega service. So the pricing's very attractive for bulk internet for entry level speeds. So what the HOA can do is they can, they can go on an entry level, get everybody internet for 100 meg or 300 meg for very, very low money. And then the individual resident over and above that can upgrade their speeds on an individual basis. So now you talked about looking at the contracts and stuff. Do you look at just new agreements or can you look at an existing agreement and renegotiate? How's that? Is there a process there? We Once our letter of authorization is signed, we go and audit, negotiate all current agreements and then possibly future providers. Oftentimes you'll find a provider operating without an agreement. Let's face it, boards change, management companies change. The corporation is still there. But these agreements are often, you know, forgotten about. Now, when you sign a new agreement, you talked about different types of cabling. So is that part of this agreement as, you know, as things get upgraded, cabling gets upgraded and things like that? Do they come in and recable the association as well? Boy, Bill, that's a, what, what a great point to talk about. Yeah, if, you know, if your agreement is not current, the provider may not agree to upgrade. Uh, because let's face it, things are changing every couple of years. These, these providers need to upgrade their plant. The providers need that, that agreement in place or a renewal of that agreement to afford the capital expenditure to upgrade the HOA. And keep in mind now, all these agreements are non-exclusive access. In, uh, in 2007, that Cable Act, it ended exclusivity. So virtually any provider can provide service with board approval. They have to have board approval to come in. That's kind of an interesting point there on that. I didn't realize that somebody, if they had an agreement with a certain provider, that somebody else could come in as well. So, so negotiation process with the cable company. So if I come to you and say, our agreement's up, we need to you know, formulate a new agreement. 
are you negotiating with only the current ser per service provider? Are you going out into the masses and looking at different ones? How's that whole process look like and how's it work? What we do is we look at all existing, we'll, we'll look at the existing agreement. I mean, the green light goes on when, hey, Morgan, yeah, this Comcast approached us or AT&T approached us, the provider approached us to renew the agreement. We're going to certainly look at that, but we're going to take all the addresses and we're going to audit and find out what other providers may be operating on the private common area or maybe those that may wish to operate. Because it's all about giving more choice if we can or negotiate that really good bulk discount for everybody. Do most associations do the bulk discount? I think it'd be pretty popular. So it depends on the demographic. A lot of your retirement communities down in the desert, you know, Florida, 80% uh, bulk. Traditionally, okay. it's been only about 20 or 30% bulk here. Everybody has been ordering on their own and paying entirely too much money. I agree with it entirely too much money. So I also, well, yeah. cable. I think I put cat five cabling in 10 years ago and now it's like cat five, what? <laughs> <laughs> so after you get through this negotiation process and the association picks a service provider, how do the contracts get drafted? Is that something you help them with? Do they need to have their attorney involved? What's the process there? Yeah, just, you know, just as a reminder, you know, we, we, we want to give the, we want to give uh, the HOAs as much choice as possible. Each cable company, each provider has their own agreement, their own boilerplate language. All my years at, uh, at Comcast, I have a pre-approved language in most all the providers. And I traditionally make about eight or, eight or 10, I'm not an attorney, but having pre-approved language from, from Comcast and working there kind of gives me a leg up. It's really important. There's a few critical changes you need to make. Make sure the insurance requirements are in there. The last thing we want too, if they're going to upgrade their service, they have a legal right to do it. Well, we want to be notified. We, we don't want them coming into our HOA and digging up. They start potholing and boring and rock sawing and, and oh, well, we have a right to be here. Well, you do, but you need to give a, provide us notice. So, you know, that's a couple, couple things right away. And also, you know, there's another key, you know, Wi-Fi, you know, we have to make sure that the HOA someday might want to offer Wi-Fi on their own through another party. So we have to make sure that the, they, they're able to do that in those agreements. When they come in, I remember back in the 80s, I'm dating myself when cable was first coming in, you know, they come into communities, they'd start running wire up the sides of buildings and putting wire mold everywhere and drilling holes into the walls and things like that. So when they come in to rewire a community or something, is that all spelled out in these agreements or how is that all process managed? Because there was a lot of issues with that back in the day. So Absolutely right. Yeah, no, we need to have a scope of work. And uh, if they're going to do any rewiring on a condo that we have to, you know, if we're going to use existing wiring, it needs to be spelled out. If they have to put new wiring in, how are we going to do it? Do we have attic, attic space? Are you going to fish down an inside wall? Definitely have to have a scope of work if, if there's going to be any, any construction done. Approved. So these are all things that are typically negotiated through this process? Yes. If, if we have a rewire or rebuild, we're going to make sure that that scope of work is in the agreement and they abide by it. What other types of things besides like a rewiring agreement do you typically negotiate into these agreements that may not be already there? One key one is, you know, the marketing. A lot of them want their want marketing rights. It could be non-exclusive or exclusive. I don't mind giving someone an exclusive marketing right because they may pay us more money. If there's only one provider that's there, 
let's give them exclusive marketing, right? So they'll pay us, they'll pay the HOA more money. But one of the key things is marketing. You know, most, most HOAs have a no door knock policy. So I've got to put that language in there. There'll be no, no door knocking, you know, no door to door solicitation. Mention notification on construct materials modification is a key clause that we put in the agreements. You're not to modify the common area without pre-approval. So when you say pay the association, do these companies typically end up paying back the association some part of their revenue stream? Sometimes they do. Uh, the business decision that a lot of the providers have made through historically have made, uh, they've compensated. Let's face it. Now, I, I mentioned this earlier. These are privately held, public, public or privately held companies, for-profit companies, not utilities, operating on our private common area. They should share the wealth in a form of maybe an upfront type door fee or maybe an ongoing revenue sharing Uh a lot of the cable companies are backing off that. You need an expert involved. Uh, and our attorneys, you know, our HOA attorneys overall are fantastic. Talk about that just for a minute. You know, should an HOA run it by their attorney when I get all done? Maybe. Although I'm going to make all the legal changes, but to bless it, have their attorney bless it. Uh, our attorneys are fabulous, but they're reactive. They're not going to go and do the research on other providers. You know, they're just simply reactive. And so it, it's important, leave it up to the HOA. If they want to run it by their attorney, do that. I'm giving them a signable agreement. Their attorney should, they might be on retainer, but they, it, their time should be limited. Give them one or two hours and a time frame, maybe a week to get it back to you. Because you, you don't want this to drag on and drag on. So part of this negotiation, do you actually negotiate the fees they can charge the individual homeowners throughout this contract period? Or are they allowed to raise it or do whatever they want after it's signed? Great question, Bill. Let's go back to bulk and retail. I negotiate the bulk rate for them. Okay. And uh, they're generally a, a five-year bulk agreement. And we ne I negotiate in the rate increases. It can be limited to once annually. And I try to get it down as low as I can, three or 4%. They always want five, six, or 7%. But we need to, to lower those once annual rate increases. If it's retail... They operate under their own, I cannot negotiate the retail pricing. Retail pricing okay. is market-driven. It's all market-driven by all providers. Okay. So if we have a bulk agreement. Also, if I want to have a higher level of service, that's something that can't be pre-negotiated? No. We negotiate the, the entry-level bulk, whatever. We'll give the board two or, two, two or three options. And then over and above that, they even individuals will order on their own. The, all the providers do have what they call bolt-on pricing onto bulk, and there's generally very good offers that's available. But then you're subject to uh, rate increases and stuff like that. There'd be no cap on those types of items. Yeah, on the retail, on the retail packaging, again, it's market-driven. They're generally a, a one-year deal, and so you're, you know, you're on and off the. Me as a, re, you know, I don't get any special deals. I'm on and off the phone every year trying to negotiate my best deal. So now is. Broadband, cable TV, phone services, are they all separate agreements? Are they all bulked together? How does that all look? Since you've got some stuff that if there's have a phone service, it's kind of under a utility type deal. Or so do you have separate contracts or are they all bulked together? Each provider that's operating in our private common area should have their own agreement. Within that provider agreement, let's take AT&T, that, that would cover 
their agreements cover phone and, and internet, the Comcast or Charter, Cox agreements. They do cover all the services that they offer. These agreements I negotiate for each provider covers all the services they offer. So now with the cable companies getting into the cell phone service, is that becoming any part of these agreements? I've not seen it, no. No, okay, since that seems to be the new thing. So what are the most common mistakes HOAs make with these types of agreements and how can they avoid them? The most common mistake is, mention this, one of the most overlooked agreements in the HOA world is your cable, is your cable TV, your fiber, your phone, your access agreements. You don't want to let providers operate without an agreement. A lot of times it'll be a knee-jerk reaction from the boards or the management companies. We already have cable. We don't, we don't, we're good. We don't need anything. We don't, we're fine. So it really truly is the most overlooked contract in the HOA world. And we talked earlier about it, and it's, it's fair to mention it, re-mention it. The phone companies have access for telephone only in our private common area. Once they light up fiber and start streaming video, there should be a, an agreement in place. For our folks that are in newer communities, how are these agreements developed with developers? Or developers have agreements in place? And how's that transition work from you know, a developer building a community, the wiring being there? Is there an agreement in place or is it just a free-for-all until they do a transition? Every developer has an agreement with the cable company and or phone company. And that falls, that's not quite under the Davis-Sterling Act yet. So they can, they can do a 10-year agreement. They have a huge investment, you know, to come in and probably a joint trench. You know, they want everybody in the joint trench at the same time. So the developer signs those agreements. And then uh, and when the HOA has control, when the developer has sold all the units and now it goes under board control, a whole new agreement should now be in place. See that happening? So if they had signed, originally signed a 10-year agreement or the builder has, is the board subject to that 10-year agreement or not? Not. No, once, okay. once the HOA has control, full control, not developer control of the board, but the right. HOA has full control, you, now can get, you can now get a new agreement under the Davis-Sterling Act. Oh, interesting. Okay. I bet you a lot of people don't know that. So it's so true. It's so true. (laughs) Well, Morgan, anything else that we should know? Talk about developers. One of the interesting true stories. I've audited thousands and thousands of agreements. I've made HOAs millions of dollars through the years. But it's interesting enough, about four or five times when I'm researching and auditing agreements, I have found that the developer is still getting paid a revenue type sharing based on the income. The, you agreement, know, the agreement. I had was a feeling that's about. what you were going to say. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. The uh, agreement, so yeah, Bill, the agreement was simply forgotten about and uh, nobody got a hold of it. It, it. It's understandable. Things happen. I mean, again, boards change, management companies change. It's, you know, it's, it's tough. I used to do a lot of developer uh, turnover projects for the associations and stuff, and I never had the cable contract on my list. So I will add that to the list. We always got rid of all the water meters and things that the developer had installed and stopped using. They were paying fees on, but I never had the cable agreement. That's a good one. So, well, Morgan, our podcast is called HOA. It's a true story. So please tell us your favorite HOA story. Okay, my favorite, favorite HOA story involves an icon in the industry, I think. John Bowman, a terrific manager. And uh, to watch him run a meeting 
was my favorite story. We knew that it was going to be a contentious meeting. This large HOA was managing. And actually, I was on the schedule that day to talk about, about service. I had found a, a provider operating without an agreement. And I came in to the board, signed my letter of authorization, and we're up to unveil what, what I came up with. But there were some other things going on. And, and John, what he did, he got there early and he met every single member, every single resident board member that was coming into that meeting. He shook their hand at the front door and kind of just took the bullet out of the gun, if you will. And uh, it was it, the meeting was terrific to watch him run that meeting. Then he you know, brought me in to, to mention a few things and it, it got a little contentious. But at the end of the day, they signed the agreement. I followed them a bunch of money they didn't realize they were going to have. And, but just to watch John Bowman in action, uh, I learned quite a bit. That was my, my, my great story there. John's a great guy. Enjoy working with him. Well, Morgan, how can someone get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you about your services? Do you have a website? You, you can- bet. Broadbandagreements.com. Of course, my email is morgan at broadbandagreements.com. My assistant, Terry, she sits in San Diego. You know, our company is statewide, but we're also, we're national. We're a national company. We do, we do help companies nationwide. Interesting, on, on a close here, there was an order that just came down from the FCC a couple of weeks ago regarding our revenue sharing agreements. Right now, the revenue sharing agreements are laddered to reward if you get greater penetrations, the HOAs can make more money. But that that just was ruled illegal by the FCC. You can still do revenue sharing, but it's going to be fixed rate revenue sharing. So oh, that's interesting. Okay. The cable companies Does the agreement need to be changed or is it good till the end of its life? All the agreements need to be amended. All the agreements okay. need to be amended, and it's going to be happening in the next 180 days. They have to, to, to amend these agreements. So there's going to be a lot going on. Of course, we're available anytime to help. And one more thing, you know, we're endorsed by a lot of the attorneys. And one of our one of our top ones, Adam Sterling, they, they've written me up at least one time that I know of. And it's really important to have an expert look at these agreements. And Hey, we don't charge anything unless we find or make money for you, save money or make money. So there's really zero downside to have us involved. Well, Morgan, that's all great stuff. Thank you so much today. I've learned a lot of things, which I seem to always do on these podcasts. And I would welcome everybody. If you can't get a hold of Morgan, please reach out to GB Group at inquiry at gbgroup.com. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you all very much. 